What's up, guys? I'm Sean Lightsout Merriman, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolt Podcast. Thanks for listening. Here's what's coming up this week on the Charged Up Bolt Podcast. What a load of nonsense. I'm not excited at all. Suck it up and get to London where you belong. And, and stop stop whining. Oh, dear. No, never take your children to Blackpool. But to all that, I say bollocks. Hello, and welcome to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bermudez, and on this podcast, we bring you the latest Chargers news. We preview and review every Chargers game. And during the off-season, we bring you the hottest takes known to Chargers fans around. I am joined by two of my fantastic co-hosts this week. It is London-based Mr. John Moss Jr. Hello, Bez. Good evening. How the devil? You, you settled in? All, all good, mate. All good. I haven't got any sofa or chair yet in the living room, but it's uh, it's it's pretty good nonetheless. As long as you've got the ability to record a podcast, it's <laughs> all I care about. That's it, mate. <laughs> I am also joined by someone who, in fact, I'm probably just going to edit him out of the podcast because I'm so annoyed with him because he has a beach in his background. It is John Ayres. Buenos dias from beautiful Playa Hermosa. Just just ridiculous. My wife is Shocking. livid because he's uh, showing us what the uh, the beach looks like and it looks amazing. Jealous does not cut it. You know, someone, you know it's funny. Someone once said, you know, uh, that they've got sandy beaches in in the uk as well and to the retort of that is yeah but who wants to see them <laughs> you never you never visit blackpool my friend <laughs> nor nor should you no 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 should no no never take your children to blackpool <laughs> um what are we talking about this week well there's loads going on the first thing is for all you non-chargers fans you, you people that want to get your draft content here we're assessing the d-line uh, in the free agency and the draft we're going to look at edge rushers um both free agents and and the draft again and then we're gonna look at the linebacker core for both um see who we think uh the fits that are already signed how they work who could, we're going to have a Chargers twist for you Chargers fans, don't worry, about who we think we should target, who we like in the draft. Um, second to last group, um, in two weeks' time, we're going to cover the uh, the safeties in the corners so we can get a uh, finish the draft prospect off, maybe even look at kickers, um, if, if you're lucky. But this week, it's about the, the trenches um, and the linebackers. Um, we're all going to talk about um, Chargers signings. Um, since the last time we spoke, we've, we've signed a couple more players we've missed out on some players that we're going to talk about and i am going to get us kicked off with 17 game season officially announced the Chargers now play the vikings in the 17th game um john Ayres, how would how do you reckon this this you know are you feeling good about 17 games is it necessary is it a waste of time talk to me as a season ticket holder i love it because they have turned one of my impossible to sell slash boring games to go watch of preseason into an actual real live NFL game. So we're, we're losing a, a preseason game. So we'll only have three. Oh no. And uh, we're adding a week 17 game against the Vikings. I like, couldn't be happier. Um, you know, I, I love, you know, I go to, I'll go to preseason games. That's fine. But really let's be honest. It's all about the regular season and real football. So I couldn't be happier from an actual NFL standpoint, it mucks up everything. You know, records change because now you have a seven because now you have an extra game to to accumulate more stats. 
Um, you know, you no longer get all those eight and eight teams and all those, you know, 500 exactly. So you lose some of that symmetry. Uh, but to all that, I say bollocks. Uh, because all I care about is real football, and the more I can get, the better. Um, so I'm excited for the 17th game, to be honest. Was as someone not in the US able to go to games, are you as excited as John? What a load of nonsense. I'm not excited at all. Why aren't they playing that? Get in with 18 games. Let's have more football. No, it's good. Um, the more football, the better. I, I suppose the players are sitting there thinking that's another ice bath. <laughs> that's another. That's another week to get injured. But uh, yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I'm just waiting for them to announce a four league expansion and go to 40, 40 odd teams. That you know, that's what we need. <laughs> <laughs> then the new franchise, the London Fog, gets gets in. We stop supporting the Chargers. Become London Fog fans or London Cup of Tea fans, something <laughs> like that. that. <laughs> Get to thirty-six well, teams, then forty, and then let's go, let's go um, mental. I'm, I'm interested to see if this means the rosters will inflate. If they're going to add more numbers to the teams, more reserves. If they're going to do something a little bit more flexible with 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 reserve teams, maybe maybe uh, practice squad players, more more players on there. Something's got to give because what one extra game means more injuries, more risk. Um, be interested that you know contracts are now going to have to reflect playing one more game. They, they might inflate even even when the uh, even when the um, the cap's coming down. So uh, it's good. there's going to be some domino effects coming. I think. I think they're going to have to um, increase the uh, practice squad as they did last season. Um, as you said, an extra game is more risk. Covid's still around, so I think the league will have to do something. I'd probably be more happy with it right now if they were mandating one game for each team abroad. You know, London gets a bu- tons of games every year. Um, send them to Mexico. <laughs> send them to Canada. Um, guarantee that 17 games means extra games coming to London. I'm, I'm pretty happy. sure the NFL networks just said that they um, they will every team will is guaranteed to play at least one international game in the next eight years, which I'm guessing that means the Packers will be a road team either in Mexico or London because they're not going to give up a home game. So um I think, I think they've got to be forced. It's it's you know, well, sorry Packers, you don't get a special deal. You know, wonderful. You've got good fans and you get a home game, brilliant. Stuck suck it up and get to London where you belong and, and stop stop whining. <laughs> <laughs> um let's have a look at the charge of signings. I mean tons has gone on. We've had today, we've had some news from the Chargers. Who have they signed? They've signed some sort of cornerback, buccaneer, gunner, um, who was invited back to, to re-sign for the team, but felt he wanted the chance to start at um, at corner. And that's why, apparently, Tom Telesco has offered Ryan Smith um, the ability to play some snaps on defence. He had none for the Buccaneers last season. He pens a one-year, £1.75 million deal. He is an elite but oft injured gunner special teams uh, for the Buccaneers were, were were definitely. I've seen a lot of Buccaneers fans say that they're going to miss him for the special teams. Um, was is this is this a signing you're happy with? You know, special teams improvements needed? No. Yeah, I've, <clears throat> I'm happy with uh, the players that are bringing in. Uh, a new set of coaching uh, minds have come together. Obviously, I identified him to come in and, and improve special teams. It can't be any worse than last year, can it? So it's up to him now to cement a place on the uh, roster ready for September football. 
I just, uh, you know, I couldn't be any happier with uh, with Telesco now focusing back on special teams. That's just, to me, that's the number one about all of this. You know, you've got, you know, and I know we're probably going to talk about him in a minute, but, you know, we've we've he's added two players uh, so far, a uh, linebacker and a corner, who, yes, I'm sure they can add depth and, and potentially play for a, um, for a starting gig, but I, to me, they, they seem like shoe-ins to really beef up the special teams. So to me, it's all about right now building special teams. I don't know, you know, spoiler alert, I don't think they're going to spend any more big money in free agency. Uh, Daniel Popper today said that he thinks that they have them around maybe 12 to 14 million potentially to spend, uh, depending on whose numbers you look at poppers or, and all these under the cap and then taking into consideration paying for, uh, you know, paying for all the rookies and all that stuff. So, you know, with that kind of number, yeah, you could still make a splashy free agent signing. I don't think they do. I think they focus on depth pieces. I think they focus on maybe one, maybe one veteran. uh, That's a decent chunk of that, of that money as kind of a one-year deal as kind of a place filler for somebody to come in. Uh, but I think it's just going to be, you know, you're going to see a couple more of these really low cost special teams, depth piece signings. And I think that's how Telesco is going to fill out the roster from here on out. But personally, I love it. I don't think that there's a need for a big splashy signing right now. I think we've got the draft to make some, some moves and, and really make this team younger uh, and really set it up to contend. We've got the Grote, the greatest rookie of all time. Uh, you know, there's no need to try to contend this year because I think best case scenario, you're talking maybe sneaking into the playoffs as a wild card, but I just don't think that is, you know, I don't think you should be signing bad contracts you know to focus on this year's playoffs i think it's all about 2022 and beyond so you know let's build up that special team build a solid unit there fix that glaring glaring issue um you know and just try to forget the george stewart era (laughs) there's not enough alcohol in the world to forget the george stewart era unfortunately um Let's move on to some other signings the Chargers made. Most important signing of the offseason, huge and critical for our franchise. Chase Daniel becomes our backup quarterback. <laughs> the the Turrod Taylor and potentially the Eastern Stick era ends. I don't think you agree with that, though, John. I think you think um, Eastern Stick is going to play a part in this upcoming season and might well be... what what what. What is it you believe? Taysom Hill 2.0? I mean, maybe 3.0. I mean, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you frequent the Twitter, but uh, if there, if Twitter is to be believed, Easton Stick is the greatest backup quarterback in the history of all time. Uh, I don't know, greatest backup QB Gibbagoat. I can't say that, but um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think Stick got a fair shake last year, obviously without a regular preseason. Um, and camp to really kind of show where he might have developed or, or finish some developing. Uh, Tyrod Taylor f- was the biggest focus, obviously, because they wanted to get him up to speed. And then, you know, Herbert being getting the rest of the attention as the developmental rookie quarterback of the future. You know, I think Stick kind of got the, well, short end of the stick, I guess. Sorry for that. Um, and... I think this year they're going to give him a prove-it-year, right? They're going to give him an opportunity to probably play plenty of significant snaps in preseason games, even though there's only three now, uh, and really give him some um, some serious time in camp to, quote-unquote, compete with Chase Daniel. 
um, and just see what they have. I think that they they do they drafted him because they believed he could be a legitimate backup quarterback. I think he's got some similar skills to Herbert to where if Herbert were to go down, having someone like stick to come in and be able to run some of those plays, some of those bootlegs, you know, be mobile. I think some of that is in Easton sticks wheelhouse. Although obviously he does not do most of it as good as Herbert does, but uh, he can do some of it so that the offense doesn't have to really change too much. uh, If, if Herbert were to go down for a game or two. Uh, And I think that's what they want. Um, But again, what you want and what really happens are two different things. So I think he gets this year to really prove it. And if, you know, and maybe he gets a few live action, you know, reps here and there, um, you know, a few special packages um, for him just to kind of see what they have in him. Um, But ultimately, I I think it is a prove it year and I don't think it's over, but I think it's definitely a good signing to have Daniel in there. I think Chase Daniel is the veteran that you want in your locker room to kind of coach and and mentor your um, your rookie QB. So uh, ultimately, I I think this was a good signing. I don't think this is a death nail for for stick, but I think it is kind of that like, hey, you know, if you want this backup job, you need to earn it, and this is the year. So, you know, if uh, if he fails, I could see Chargers drafting a QB in next year's draft sometime in the late late mid rounds um, to try to kind of have that new Easton Stick uh, heir apparent. But like I said, not a death knell for Stick. I, I do like the signing. I think you know you add that solid solid veteran presence to the QB room. Um, but ultimately, it's all about Justin Herbert. So, yeah. I just want to echo a couple of points there, John. My take on this is that they've literally brought in another coach to sit on the sidelines with Justin. There's going to be times during this season when we're going to be in situations that Herbert has never found himself in. Easton Stick hasn't got the experience. And, and Chase LaBella lean over his shoulder and say, look, I've seen this before. We need to do X. We need to do Y. We need to do Z. Um, let's not forget that Herbert, as good as he is, is still evolving and he will never continue to outgrow the game it it will it will always evolve and the more help he can get especially in high pressure situations it's the better for him it's it's better development it aids the team and gives us that assurance that we've we've got some we've got some know-how we've we've got a different um set of eyes on the field um i don't really think it matter who who the the, uh, backup cube is because at the end of the day whether it's Stick that comes in or Chase Daniel, they're not going to be the Justin Herbert. The team are going to have to adopt and adjust accordingly to QB2. So it's never a good sign when you're bringing in um, uh, your, your backup because your, your QB1's gone down. You're just going to have to get on with it. it I think he's purely there as almost like a, a hybrid between that veteran player and that coach. That's my take on on the, that situation. Well, it's interesting because I I'm really high up on. I'm probably the only person saying this, but Peyton Ramsey, quarterback from uh, quarterback in the draft. Um, I I love the guy. I think he's a great developmental quarterback, and I think the likelihood of us picking up is now is now next to zero unless he's an undrafted free agent um, and we sign him to the practice squad. But uh, which is a shame. But uh, I'm more interested in the the Chargers' other signing, which I think is a bit under the radar, but I think it's outstanding value and that we signed Kyla Fackrell from the Giants you know it looks to all intents and purposes like Melvin Ingram is definitely not coming back He, he I think he's after some money uh, the Chiefs felt it was too steep I don't think it, it, it signals that he's coming back to us 
Um, and we go out and get Kyla Fackrell, who had a fantastic season two years ago. He was, even though the stats might not back it up, the re- the reviews of him playing for the Giants last season were that he was a key component in their success. And when he went down injured, that their defense suffered. Great depth piece. Can see him starting, if, you know, and and rotating in with a mid round rookie potentially in the draft. Um, you know, I'm excited about this. I think it's a, a Telesco coupon signing that will play out very well. Improves the team. Um, are you disappointed with this that Melvin isn't coming back and we, we're relying on Kyler? Was or, or no. are you as happy as I am? As much as I love Melvin, my thoughts are that his mind's elsewhere. Maybe looking towards music. I mean, has he got anything to prove in the NFL? No. That maybe that chance of, of winning the Super Bowl ring is is, is gone, <clears throat> and maybe he wants another career. He did not look like himself. Um, it'd be a massive risk to bring Melvin back. But if if Kyler Fackrell can play anything like he did in 2018, then we've got a player in our hands. And and again, he's coming, and and he can develop the younger players around him. Um, it's having that mixture, the blend of the youth and the experience. Um, I don't believe that the the front office would have made this signing unless they thought they were going to get something positive in return. Uh, it's I, I know we saw this last year um, when we signed Chris Harris Jr. He didn't really stand up to um, expectations, but look, you can only do what you can do. You sign the player, you'll either perform or he won't. So I'm I'm fully behind this one, and uh, let's hope it's a positive signing. Um. I mean, look, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with Ingram. I mean, I want to talk about that for a second. I mean, I, I, he's, he was such a strong piece for them in the locker room and on the edge. Um, his best years are behind him. I don't know what his contract demands are. Uh, I mean, he left Kansas City without a contract, so obviously Ingram is looking for some sort of money that I think teams aren't are just not willing to to offer and you know i still think there is a very outside chance that he finds out whatever telesco and the Chargers offered him was actually a fair deal for maybe one year and maybe he comes back on that last final year and maybe it's his final year in the league you know he has kind of a a final year with the Chargers. i'm not putting that out of the picture but ultimately they've moved on from him uh unless he comes back at at a really team-friendly deal uh i don't know if they you know we're going to talk about the edges in a second i don't know if they need to sign anybody to free agency especially after what's left either one really expensive good player and the rest are mildly expensive but older you know is that what the chargers need right now i don't know I don't think so. I think you might as well look in the draft, try to get younger. I think they've got plenty of pieces that they want to rotate in and out of that that, uh, that opposite side. Staley's defense calls for a lot of movement, of, you know, using um, outside linebackers and, and, and various uh, different techniques. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they really need. Um, but I think Ingram is probably not coming back, and I don't know if there's anybody else to replace him right now that's in free agency. So that's just kind of my, my take on that position right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's some good moves. Good moves by the Chargers. Tom Telesco working his magic. Um, let's get let's get into it. You you brushed on it. You brushed on it that we're going to be assessing the the D line, the edge rushers, the linebackers. Let's let's dive in because I think it it perfectly marries up um, with what we're talking about here. Um, let's have a look at the the top free agents along the defensive line. Um, there were some big names available, and I think people got giddy that we might get somebody. 
Um, Shaq Barrett ended up back with the Buccaneers. J.J. Watt dramatically left and then chose to go to the Cardinals of all teams, which I think is is going to prove to be an error for the lad. But, you know, you do you. Um, I thought Trey Hendrickson from the Saints would have been a good option. Ended, ended up getting four years, $60 million with the Bengals. Um, Carl Law- he was replacing Carl Lawson. Young, enthusiastic um 10.5 sacks over the past couple of seasons role player. So there's some big names gone. So I think it's quite clear that Telesco hasn't prioritised going and getting someone to go opposite Bosa on the defensive line. Um, Alden Smith is still available. Um, came back from a hiatus of five years. Um, performed well, five sacks in the last year. He's still available. Um, Olivia Vernon from the Browns, 30 years of age, but he had a great 2020 campaign. He was fantastic against the run. He got nine sacks. Tore his Achilles. Not sure if he's going to be ready to start, but maybe you get a discount and you bring in Vernon, who can rotate in, especially towards the playoffs. Um, Everson Griffin um, of the Lions, 33, still gets pressure, six sacks in 2020. There are some options. Um, I think if you're looking sub-30, and Telesco hasn't gone young this year. He's, he's tended to hit the top at 20s, early 30 ranges in his signings. But at 27, um, I don't I have no idea how you actually say his name, but Ifeidi Odenigbo, I think. Defensive end Vikings, 27 years of age. Seven sacks in 2019, but didn't, didn't do so well in 2020. Still young to improve, so maybe he's got it in him. But there are There are limited options at defensive end um and then if we move ourselves inside to um to defensive tackle the inside interior line um Leonard Williams is gone um he got his he got his deal with the Giants um you've got Kwan Short the Panthers he's 32 I think once upon a time he would be the, the dream signing for us um but really are we going to bring in a 32 year old who's on the down end of his career to replace a talented Joseph not so sure um a couple of under 30s, you've got Aubrey Jones of the Jags, um, who's injured from week five onwards, but you know could he bounce back? And Daquan Jones of the Titans, who was sal- solid, very versatile, the kind of player you could see maybe fitting in a, a versatile, um, staley defence. Um, that's your defensive line, free agents. Who, these players, anyone I've missed that, that you think the Chargers should focus on with them, the remaining money, or do you think this is... You know the big plate pieces have gone, and Telesco's happy to uh, to to ignore the free agents. John, I just don't see a serious need along the line there. Um, it is not an area where I think that they were looking to invest money, whether that's interior or on the edge. Um, you know, I think that you're looking at, like you said, guys who are probably either too old or too expensive left on the free agency market. I mean. You mentioned some great names there, uh, guys that I like on the defensive line, like, you know, Drill Casey, Gino Atkins, Nam Kinsu, like, all options. I mean, how much better in this career are they than, you know, what we currently have? I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I don't. I mean, Linval Joseph was, was definitely a very solid piece. I raved about him all year last year. Um, you know, I couldn't stop saying his name. Just one of my favorite signings. Uh, you know, and he was not by any means an all-pro player in the interior line, but I think he did exactly what they needed. I think you've got guys who they really want to give a shot, you know, some younger guys on the roster who I think could potentially, you know, have be a make or break. I think, you know, Tillery has made improvements every year, incremental, small, but improvements. 
you know, this could be a breakout year for Tillery. We don't know. We don't know where he's going to line up. We don't know what they want him to do. You know, could he be that edge rusher? Could they transfer him to full-time edge rusher, really focus on, on getting after the QB? Is he paired in the middle with Joseph? Joseph's the big run stopper. He's trying to get penetration up the middle. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with Tillery, but I think that they really think that he's something that they can keep developing. So, um, you know, and I think that when you, when you look at, you know, the rest of that interior defensive line and, and edge rush, I, I just don't know if there's really anybody out there who's, you know, that much better, who's affordable, right? Like, I mean, yes, there's, I think Jadavian Clowney is still a free agent, right? If you want to add someone on the edge, but I mean, that's going to blow the rest of our budget right there just to, you know, just to get him in, right? And he's likely signing a one-year deal. So you're going to blow the rest of your, your budget on one player who's only going to be there for one year? I don't think so. You know, you're not resigning him next year. If he if he has a breakout year on the opposite side of Bosa, do you think that Telesco is going to want to give him 18 million a year if he has another big year when the market? I don't think so. So, I just I think whether you're talking about interior or the edge, there's just nobody in the free agency market right now that I can see being an attractive option because you're either getting older or more expensive, and I don't think those are either two things are what. Telesco wants to do. I think he wants to get younger and less expensive. You know, I mean, he paid the big money to uh, to Bosa. He's got we've got some young players who I think are starting to really come around and could be really good pieces there. Uh, you know, and I think that Staley's designs his defenses to provide one on ones and pressure uh, up the middle, but really is focused more on the middle of the field. You know, that second level with his DBs. Uh, you know, and his linebackers. You know, moving around. Co- uh, mixing up coverages, hiding looks, and then and throwing blitzes out of, out of out of odd angles that you're not expecting. So, I don't know how much priority the the defensive line really is, um, outside of just making sure Bosa gets plenty of one on ones. I think the way I see things um, is Telesco is is I believe he's given Staley a mandate of of look at the players with question marks. Jerry Tillery, can we turn Tillery into a an edge rusher too. Someone to support Bozer. If Bozer's getting two on one and he's looking tired, late in a game, third quarter, can Tillery come in, disrupt the passer, and apply some pressure? And I think Tillery's got that in his locker. I think he's just going to work hard. A new set of coaches. He needs to go away in the off season and, and really focus on projecting himself as a a a good um, NFL. Uh, pass rusher so it's an opportunity this season for them to work with those names you said Justin Jones Jerry, Jerry Tillery on the inside there's also question marks further behind the defensive line Derwin James Naz Gilman we know how good James is we know how how clever he is and how athletic it's whether or not he can stay fit question mark over him Naz and, and, and Gilman I think Gilman's got the biggest question mark over him whether he can actually step up and apply pressure, stop the run. Um, I don't think if we see any progression out of him this season, we'll, we'll be looking to invest any time in him beyond his, his rookie contract. So I, I think with, with those players that I've just mentioned there, there's a lot to work with and a lot to um, uh, focus on in order to get them to the next level and obviously keep Derwin James healthy. And I think all of those player, uh, players are probably better options than, than what's left on the table uh, in the free agency market. We're not going to go and break the bank for some of these players. I mean, JJ Watt got a nice, handsome contract from the, from the Cardinals. He's got injury cons- uh, uh, 
concerns over JJ. You know, is is in one of those skill positions where it's massively aggressive. He was phenomenal. You know, he's coming to the end of his sort of uh, productive years, and we've we've said many a time we need to move away from these players that are getting injured and missing games. We we need players to make an impact and have at least 15, 16 and 17 games in a season. So I think Telesco's been a little bit um, reserved uh, in, in the free agency market, but I also think been a bit shrewd um, looking at what's available coming up in the NFL draft. And I expect that the Chargers to pick up a couple of undrafted free uh, agents as well. Um, so I think our scouting network will be working hard. We've got all these new coaches in that have got all ideas. They've got connections. So it is literally a new set of eyes on the problem. Um, lots to work with, despite the fact that we haven't been as busy as some people would have liked. Clowney, for me, is not an option. He he hasn't got the productivity. Yeah, people can talk about his, his uh, uh, ability to apply pressure, but he's an edge rusher. Look at the number of sacks that he's generated in his career. It doesn't stand up to the reputation and the money that he's earned during that time. Well, this is the thing: is that I, I, I probably agree that we don't need to go out and spend the big bucks on, on someone for the D line. Um, you know, is any is you're going to see Twitter, Chargers Twitter, light up if we go out and sign someone big? But this isn't where I think the money rise. I agree with you. Um, I think it's much more likely that we go into the draft and pick someone up. Um, in the middle rounds, rather than probably not. I actually originally had a thought that I really liked Gregory Rousseau, uh, defensive end out of Miami in the draft, first round. I thought, you know, Lynn was Lynn was sabotaging our sink for Sewell, um, and we were drifting. And, I, and, and Gregory, at one point, was considered the number one prospect overall. He dropped through through the through the process down. I think he's now fifteen, twenty, somewhere in that range. Um, I think he's going to go earlier. Hot take for you there, um, but you know, I don't see us even spending a first round pick on 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 someone like that. For for, for the people that are um, non Chargers fans, yeah, I think it's an interesting, but it's a good middle stodgy defensive line draft. I don't think it is an elite, top range, strong defensive end. There's no Bosa in this in this class. There's no um, any of the Bosa, <laughs> any of the Bosa brothers, but. Um, there's some talent. Gregory Russo is going to make waves. I think he's going to be a lot better than, than people think. i tell you one guy who's rising up the draft boards is Michigan's uh, Quitty Pay. Um, I think I think he could be someone that goes surprisingly above Russo for me and could go 14, 15, 16th in the draft, rising up. I've seen a lot of people start pegging him in the middle of the first. Um, Jalen Phillips, defensive end, could slip towards the end of the first, maybe into the second. Um you know, because Gregory so skipped the 2020 season, but um, they, they gave his number across to Jalen Phillips, who came off from UCLA, and he was really disruptive. He was really impressive. Loads of athletic upside from the guy. Good speed, athleticism, strength. Um, eight sacks, interceptions, passed three defensive passes. I think that's a guy that's going to end up going earlier than probably some people some people think. Um, are there any big names in the draft? That's the top three names, I think. Uh, from my point of view, in the sort of defensive end side, um, any names that are standing out to you guys? Was uh, have you got your eye on anyone in the draft? I mean, Quitty Pay and, and Gregory Rousseau. Um, 
I don't see them falling to us in the second round. Uh, I'd take either of those. I think I mentioned this sort of like episode 15. We were, we were just shooting the breeze about Rousseau when, when Melvin Ingram was injured. I see John's take on why he's, he sat out 2020, but as a coach and somebody that's looking at development, that's, um, that's an evolving football player that's missed an entire season of the sport that he's, you know, geared up to playing. So that that is a question mark, just the same as a, a player that's coming off an injury. But he's obviously got the talent. Um, you know, there's there's. I'd like to see, personally, I'd like to see a uh, a player maybe the third or the fourth round, Carlos Basham coming to us from Wake Forest, two hundred eighty one pound beast, um, thirty three and a half tackles for loss, nineteen and a half sacks, he even scored a defensive touchdown. Um, but those numbers jump off the page. Whether or not his skill set and his ability translates to the NFL, like any player, it's yet to be seen. But it's going to be an interesting one. I, I, I personally just don't. I can't see us moving outside the offensive line for for first and possibly second round draft picks. You know, as much as I'd love to spend a gaudy first round pick on a on a on an edge rusher, I just don't think. I mean, you know me. I'm OT at thirteen. That's the hashtag I live and die by. Uh, yep. Wrong. No, it's it's right, but we're, we're... I'm with John. All right. <laughs> Everyone's with John like, except One me. of us is living in London right now, or, or in the not even in London. You're living in, in a whole country surrounded by clouds and dreariness, and one of us is at the beach. <laughs> Who do you think is living right? That's all I'm saying. So, obviously, I'm going to take the high road here and just say – you're wrong. Um, but seriously, I don't believe I, – I, let's ignore first – let's ignore the first-round pick. Cause I, I don't think – I think we can all agree that I, using a first-round pick on the edge rusher when we already have Bosis, a massive luxury that doesn't be needed. If they're not going to use the first-round pick on an OT, which, again, I just cannot stress enough, I think that's the only way to go. You know, cornerback to me seems like the natural other option with some of those highly skilled players. I know everyone loves JC Horn, and I, I great player, nothing wrong with Horn. I just, you know, I don't know if that's as big a position need, but those are the two positions I would consider them taking in the round one. Edge rusher just doesn't there. The second round is this is the earliest I could see them taking an edge rusher. Uh, at that point, all those guys you talked about, Pay, Phillips, Rousseau, are all gone there's no way they're lasting that far uh guys you know that they've been linked to joe uh tryon um who the chargers out of washington who the chargers have uh who have spoken to i mean even him falling to 47 is kind of a maybe maybe not i mean you know the the edge position is such a valued position in this league that you you never know you know how many are going to end up going in that first round or even the first, you know, 40 picks we could, we could see, you know, five to six go in the top 40 picks easy. So, you know, second round Tryon seems like a guy that's, uh, that's on there. Jason Owe. Uh, I like him as, as a potential second round pick as well out of Penn state. I think he's got a motor. I think he's got, you know, some of the technique uh, flashes, not, not an all around technique guy. He's got some, work to do but i think there are some flashes in certain games where you see that th- he could be a, r- a real difference maker opposite bosa um those are two guys i could see in the second round um but really for me the bread and butter if you're gonna draft an edge is gonna be that third round i think there's a lot of prospects and i call them prospects because they all have have issues they all 
need to work on something, but you know, who better to learn from than Joey Bosa, right? Who better to, exactly. you know, what, what better place to be then? So that third round really for me is a sweet spot and where I'd like to see them use one of their two third round picks on an edge rusher. Um, a lot of good names. Um, some very smart person uh, who does live in the UK and is participating in some sort of UK draft uh, brought up uh, Hamilcar Rashad, uh, who I like out of Oregon State. Uh, he is, he's a beast. He's somebody I think would make a fine pick uh, in the third round. I think he'll definitely be available in the third round, whether that's at you know their initial pick at 77 or you know their late 90s pick at the end of the third. I don't know, but I think he could be there. Uh, a guy I've been high on uh, who again. Depends on how the how he's how he's valued and how the edge position in general is being drafted, but a guy who I think is going to be there at least around pick seventy-seven, Quincy Roche. He's a guy from Miami. I've been a big fan of his uh, throughout the process. Again, not a perfect person but i think that his skill set allows him to potentially in, in, in what i think uh the defense is going to line up in their base sets most often i think he could be that opposite edge or or even you know drop back into an outside linebacker because i think he's got the skills to play uh you know down um you know with his knuckles on the ground or even standing up i think these are all i think these are all great uh opportunities uh for him to kind of move around in that either you know again outside linebacker or edge rusher position. So to me, he's a guy I think from a fit standpoint is a guy I'm personally targeting is Roche in the third, because I think he would be a nice piece for Staley and co to move around that defense uh, on the line and even drop back in the, as a linebacker. Um, and I think he would really be that, that guy who could really compliment what, what Bosa does. So that's kind of, I guess if I'm, if I'm talking third round, that's when I'm really targeting in on as far as uh, drafting an edge in this draft i've got Osei uh, on my list as well john and that's a a great segue because if we draft him we have then got an option to say right okay this is where we are this is what we've got right we're now going to develop you to an edge rusher or actually we're just going to drop you back into a linebacker position bearing in mind i fully expect kenneth murray to come out all guns blazing this year I think he's going to be absolutely phenomenal because, yeah, but one, he's, he's going to be he's playing le- the mic sorry. though, not outside, right? He's not going to be the rush linebacker. I think he's going to be playing more mic. No, he's not. But I think we're we're gonna. I think we're going to develop him into being that versatile uh, versatile uh, linebacker, and I think that's going to be the key to this season is identifying players that can play in more than one position. Because let's be honest, Murray. <laughs> came with a massive sort of uh, um, chain round his neck of, you know, we, we've just drafted up for this kid. Is I, I think he'll have spent the whole of the off-season learning from from tape, from where, he, where, where his strengths were and where his weaknesses. And he's got a young, defensive-minded head coach to fall on, plus all the veterans around him. So that's where I think, you know, this, this versatility is going to come in. And that's why I've already got uh, Osei, as you have listed on, on my uh, notes here, um, that's going to be the key to it. Well, let me put this up for both Chargers fans and the people listening who aren't Chargers fans, because I think in the you know from from a Chargers point of view, we have to replace Melvin Ingram, which is the non, which is the sort of the pass rusher, the flexible, get around the corner, bring down your guy, but can potentially, probably shouldn't, but could potentially drop into coverage, um, especially in a Staley flexible defense. So looking at it from from both point of view, it was it's quite a strong defensive end OLB edge rushing free agent class. 
And a lot of Chargers fans wanted Bud Dupree, and then he obviously went to the Titans. Yannick Ngakwe at the Ravens went to the Raiders. He'll be in our division, so we're going to have to deal with him. I, I think he's fantastic at 26. I think he's the, the world's his oyster, and I hope that uh, he, he, he doesn't wreck... You know Herbert. You know against his new O line, um, Carl Van Noy. Carl Van Noy ends up back of the Patriots after his ridiculous uh, Dolphins contract um, when they took him off the Patriots. Um, but there were some really great names: Judon, Leonard Floyd. We thought was going to come over from the Rams and re-signed on a ludicrous deal, which was far too much, far too much money um, for the free agent market in this position and and for Chargers fans, how we replace Melvin Ingram. Um, the headliner at 28 is Jadavian Clowney. Um, I can feel was dare me to say that we're going to sign him and his blood's boiling. But, uh, you know, you charge your Twitter, charge your social media would love it if this big name came in. He's a fantastic run stuffer. The pass rushing, it never lived up to the, the hype. Um, Melvin Ingram is still on the market. We've brought in Kyla Fackrell, who I was pleased um you've even got ryan kerrigan and you've got some veterans there bruce Irvin, who was brought in f- surprise first round pick back in the day for the seahawks there's some there's some options i wouldn't want any of them but i wouldn't be surprised if we went and got somebody like a vic beasley who had a down year at the raiders but you know uh, and falcons didn't live up to the hype um but we're gonna need to to, to fill this this spot melvin ingram's spot um so I've looked at the draft and, you know, I, I think it falls into three categories for me. You've got the first rounders we're not going to spend a pick. But, you know, you've got the OA I think will get into the first round. You've got Gregory Rousseau. Um, I, I'd love them. They'd be, they'd be a nice piece, but we don't, we don't need to spend the first round pick. You've got a cluster of second round options that could be there by the time we're picking in the second round. Joe Tryon we mentioned. Carlos Basham Jr. we've already mentioned. I think Patrick Jones, Pittsburgh will probably be a second round pick. All great options that could add something. But I'm exactly the same as you, gentlemen. The third round is the prime. You know, you mentioned it. I am the Chargers GM for the UK NFL Mock Draft. Check it out at NFL UK Mock on Twitter. Um, I am putting it to the community to help me pick. So it is not my choice this year. They uh, Just to give you a quick update, Chargers fans, we picked Rashawn Slater in the first, against my wishes. We went with, <laughs> we went with Eric Stokes in the second cornerback with a lot of potential. Some think he might, we'll talk about him next week, but might, he might get into the first round. And then in the third round, I was, you know, where am I going to go? We've got two picks in the third round this year. It's a luxury to have the Rivers pick, as I'm calling it. Um the franchise went, uh, the fan base went for t- Tommy Tremble, tight end out of uh, Notre Dame. Um, Telesco somewhere was crying himself in joy that uh, another Notre Dame player was on our team. Um, and then I was ending up with our compensatory picks. I tried to trade back up to go and get Quincy Roche um, out of Miami. I love the guy. I think he is like a, a mini Melvin Ingram with great explosiveness off the line flexible around the corner but he's just a little bit undersized he's gonna to have to pack on the pounds and there's always that question mark is he a, is he in between but i don't think so i think he's a talent um chris rumpf went in the middle of the third round so it came to me in the 90s 97th pick for the chargers um and, and as, as john mentioned hamilcar rashad jr out of oregon state i think he's such a good option in the third round he is 
a little bit developmental. I think you know you, he will benefit from sitting behind Bosa. He will learn, as we've spoken about, um, if, if we pick him. Third round is a great place to add. There's, there's this cluster of players that you can see us picking in either, with either of our third round picks. So, um, f- you know, don't stop listening, non-Charger fans, because I don't want you to cotton on to the fact that the edge market is, is reasonably decent for people uh, in the second and third rounds. There's some depth to it, which uh, is exciting. Um Guys, let's move on to linebacker. I think we'll, we'll come next. A little bit of a different flavour. People were very high on Matt Milano. He ended up back with the Bills. People were high on Levante David. He ended up back with the Buccaneers after winning his Super Bowl. Um, and I thought he was incredible last season. I was so excited to, hear, to wonder if we would get him. But, you know, he does end up back, back with his team. Jalen Brown ended up back with the Titans. There's a theme coming, you'll notice, that the linebackers ended up back where they, they came from. Alexander Johnson ended up back with the Broncos with a tender. Um, KG Wright, the Seahawks, is a free agent. Did well as a blitzer, strong in coverage. He's 32. We know what happens to, to linebackers over the age of 30. Same as uh, most other positions. Denzel Perryman, we lost him, didn't we? He went to the Panthers. So who's on the market? Eric Wilson, 26 years of age. Vikings linebacker. Um, I thought he was quite good. When Anthony Barr got hurt, he stepped up, but he, he misses tackles. Um, but could improve because he's only 26. BJ Goodson of the Browns was solid, um, very good in coverage. If you wanted to look more at someone who could drop, only 28 can improve. There are no more big names out there um, in the linebacker core. So from a free agent point of view, I will throw it out. Are, Are you expecting us to sign a free agent linebacker to bolster the core that we've got? From the Chargers guys, and I come to to, to you was first. No. Nope. Or do you think I should move on to the draft? Move on to the draft. What about you, John? Any linebackers you want to sign? Probably not. I just, I think they've got a strong room as it is. You know, they they added depth and special teams. You've got Kaiser White, Drew Tranquil, uh, Uchenwinu Osu, Kenneth Murray, all guys I like uh, for certain you know aspects of their game. Um, and then you've got you've already got some depth in uh, Egbulier. Christensen and Bello. So, I mean, it's a to me there's a lot of linebackers on this um, squad and I don't think there's a need to spend money in free agency on a linebacker unless you're looking at a pure special teams, you know, million dollar signing then maybe, but just that's nobody anybody listening's going to care to talk about. I'm not talking about some guy who's who we're going to see, you know, his his name called, you know, once a game for making a nice defensive tackle on a kickoff so let's move on to the draft yes i'm glad you said that it's a it's an interesting um linebacker core in the draft let's start off the headline prospect is mika parsons i think we're we're all expecting him to go in the top 10 um i've seen a few drafts where he's dropped to the mid first round but out of penn state he he didn't opt back in um and, and people sort of think that his draft stock is hurt. He's probably a top five pick if he'd played to the level we saw the previous year. But, um, you know, this guy is, is compared to the likes of Kenneth Murray that we took last year, Devin White, Roquan Smith over the previous drafts. And, and most scout reports say he probably isn't as good as some of those. So where he falls in a in the first round where he will go is 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 a mystery i can't place him a lot of mock drafts are scattering him all over the place so um i think it'll be interesting um he's not really a downhill guy that takes on blocks he likes to attack through clean air some think he has good instincts i didn't see it on tape um 
not sure, but he can rush the passer. I actually think a move to uh, edge rusher, um, playing off the edge, getting to the quarterback, really, really, this is where he stands out. Um, so I, I think you know he's going to be fast in space, good coverage, chasing down runners on the edge with the sweeps, the jet sweeps. So um, you know he's going to go in the first. We aren't going to be taking him. Don't get excited. Um, then you've got Zavin, Col- Zavin Collins out of Tulsa. Um, really versatile guy. He had a phenomenal 2020 s- season, featured loads of splash plays, put himself out there with a lot of players not playing last season. He really showed up on the tape. Um, wow, I, there's one There's one thing I watched. When I watched Collins' tape, there was a pick six walk-off winner um, in overtime against Tulane which it just it was electric. It's very exciting to watch guy. He's big, he's quick, he's versatile. He can drop into coverage, he can attack the rush. Um he can stop the run. I think he is better for me than Parsons. That's that's probably a, a controversial opinion. Um but I definitely think he's going to go much much earlier than people think. He's he's first second round on the turn and I think he'll go mid first at the latest. Um, let's drop down into the into the class. There's some middling names that don't get me excited. Um, Chaz Surratt. There's two Surratt brothers in the draft this year, so I wonder if uh, if they end up going to uh, to the same team or going somewhere different. But uh, Chaz uh, played well in 2020. Um, good good speed, good athleticism, raw. Needs some development. Misses some t- tackles, but great instincts. That's a guy that's probably going to go early third round. And and if you get Chaz Surratt, I think he can make a splash in the NFL this season. Um, don't sleep on on him or or his brother. <laughs> we didn't talk about him in the wide receiver um, episode. Um, but I mean, I've sort of looked. I can see us maybe adding some depth later in the draft, fourth, fifth round. I like Dylan Moses out of Alabama. He didn't have a great 2020. It's dropped him down probably one or two rounds this year. Um, he, but he's good with tackling. He's good with coverage. He's got decent instincts. And I think he's got... He, he lacks the read instinct. He's slow with the read. But he can sniff out a screen quite well. So um, Dylan Moses, for me, is a guy to keep an eye on. Um, go check his tape out. See what you think. Tweet tweet us at Charged Up Pod and let us know if you think that we're going to add a linebacker. I'm going to come to to John. You want me to talk about the draft linebacker? Who are these is getting you excited? Well, I think I am completely aligned with your evaluation of the position of need for the Chargers. I don't think it's something that you're going to see in the first three rounds, unless there's somebody who's pops off the page in their evaluations that they can't live without. I think, as I just mentioned, there's a lot of linebackers already on the roster. Um, and I just don't see them looking at the roster and going, you know what, we need to bring in, you know, a defense, uh, a difference making linebacker. So, uh, funny that you talk about Dylan Moses. He's a guy, I think because of a poor season last year, um, has an opportunity to potentially slip to the fourth round where there's an opportunity to potentially take him. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of a Kenneth Murray uh, in the sense that he just seems to be just uh, like, he's got a nose for the ball in action. He seems to go in with a full head of steam everywhere he goes. He's got a lot of athleticism. Um, so it kind of reminds me of that. Um, and, you know, he's a senior, so he's got plenty of experience, which, you know, Telesco likes. So I could see him being a fit. Uh, you know, another guy that I think, you know, again, probably like fifth round, maybe sixth, depending on how the linebacker court moves, is, is Derek Barnes out of Purdue. 
Um, the reason I like Barnes is because he played multiple roles. Um, you know, he was a linebacker and an edge rusher. So I think he's got that versatility that I think Staley and the Chargers are coveting right now. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's got a good frame. He's not, he's not maybe the most athletically gifted guy, but I think he's somebody that you can move around and, and do multiple things for you. Um, and I, I think that's something that would be appealing. So those are a couple of guys that like later, like, you know, those in those late mid rounds, um, and then, you know, I'm sure there's there's probably a lot of kind of, you know, throw throw a dart at a board kind of prospects at the end of the, at the end of the draft, um, you know, that you could that you could go after. I haven't done a ton of research. Um, somebody that, you know, who I did see a little bit of because uh, I am a Pac-12 guy is uh, uh, Jordan Fox on Stanford. Again, this is going to be a late round dart throw. Um, could potentially even be an un- uh, you know a, a, a unsigned rookie, um, but I think he's again a guy who I think he can help in the um, in the passing game, um, but really also helps in the in the run game. And I think that's where you know they can use some help is just shoring up the run game with their linebackers. And I think he could be helpful there. Um, but again, you know, not a lot of upside there. Just a guy I've seen uh, in the Pac-12 um, for four years, and, and thought he, he puts together some solid tape. But again, I'm, I'm not. You know, there's a very good chance he might be one of those camp invite guys. I, I I don't know if he even gets drafted. So that's just kind of my feeling on the linebacker position. Um, you know, some guys that are interesting, but no one really jumps off the page. And since it's not a position of need, I I don't see them really looking to make that pick too early. Yeah, I think you two have wrapped it up nicely. Um... First three rounds, offensive line, edge, and then we start looking at uh, cornerback, third, fourth round. So linebacker, I think we'll potentially take someone in the sixth, seventh, if if, if there's anyone that we think we can work with developmental to go on the practice squad or something like that. But, John, you, you've wrapped that up nicely. Um, Thank you. I am interested, though, to see where Micah Parsons goes because Penn State sorely missed him in 2020. Um, And I think he's going to be a phenomenal prospect. So he's one of those blue-chip college players that you're going to keep an eye on for the first two, three weeks of the NFL season. Keep an eye, tag him in the draft, find out where he goes. But uh, he's certainly not going to come to the charges. It's not a skill position that we need to spend um, our top picks on in 2021 and actually linebacker is a position i'm really excited about you know i'm really excited about white uh, murray uh, drew tranquil coming back fresh from yep. injury but with a season off um egg boule is going to be a part of it see see if he makes it into the team i think some, we're getting ahead of ourselves here but when i'm looking towards camp I'm wondering where these players and how they fit into Staley's defence. Will Egg Boulay make the roster? Will he be a star? I think some of these names... I, White was my, was my... I just thought he had an incredible season last year when he was on the field. And um, I think that if you can have a better defensive coordinator, cough, cough, um, as we have done, then I think the potential for our linebacker core is unlimited. Um, and I do think you're going to see the roster filled out with lower draft picks, maybe even undrafted free agents that drop in. It's quite a deep, but average linebacker draft group, I think. 
so you can probably get some day three picks to fill out your roster who can be gunners or elite players in the uh, in the special teams world but um, we'll see we'll see I think it's going to be it's not not a particularly high focus for the Chargers but if your team if you're not a Chargers fan and your team is interested in linebacker you know I prefer Collins. Collins is exciting. Go and watch his tape against Tulane and watch that watch that pick because there's not much better to watch in the draft run up than than that guy's tape. He's an exciting prospect and um and not getting enough hype for me in, in the process. Um guys, I'm gonna talk about two things briefly before I throw open the floor to you. But the first is as I mentioned, I'm drafting for the Chargers in the uh, at UK NFL mock. Um it's a draft for UK fans each team is given a GM. Um, I'm letting you, the listener, pick. Probably an error because I disagree with your choices, but that is democracy. Off you go. So um, uh, in the first you went, as I mentioned, Rashawn Slater, and this is my big topic. I'm gonna I'm gonna get this rant out of the way. I think I think next week we're gonna wrap up the uh, the end of our draft coverage, and then I'm gonna ask everyone to absolutely nail their pick. Who are you thinking the Chargers are gonna take in the first round? I'm going to give my indication already. I'm going to make my case to, to influence your decision, listener, and to convince these boys here. So um, Brace yourself. Everyone, everyone has an absolute hard-on for left tackle. Guaranteeing we're going to pick it. Everyone wanted Penny Sewell, and we, didn't, we, we, we won too many games, so we're out of range for Sewell. Um, I don't even think he drops to 10, where you might be tempted to give away some capital to go get him. They're probably not the decision I would make. Um so that leaves, who do you pick up next? Lots of charges are falling in love with different players. You've seen a lot of um, Vera Tucker. He's a guard, guys. Get, I said this on last week's episode. He's a guard. Elite. You can probably try him at left tackle, but you know he's not a waste of a pick, but he's a guard. Rashawn Slater, uh, great player. Could could succeed. Northwestern guy. He, I watched a lot of him when I was watching Peyton Ramsey at quarterback for Northwestern, great player. I don't think he's going to be an elite at left tackle, but I think he'll be steady, and you could have an elite guard there. There are some great Christian Darasaurs growing for me. He's now my number one left tackle prospect. Um, I think he'd be great to have at 30. Sorry, number two after Penny Sewell. I'm forgetting the guy. Um, but here's my argument. We had Justin Herbert as the greatest rookie of all time behind one of the worst lines in the NFL. And what have what's Telesco done? He's fixed it. He's gone out and got Corey Lindsley, the number one paid and number one rated centre. He's gone and got Fila to come in, who was fantastic for the Steelers, immediately goes in. And he's got Abushi. Is that how you say it? Abushi? Um, to come in from the Lions, who played well and could potentially be a starter, certainly competing for it. And he's definitely an upgrade of some of the options that we had um, rotating in. Um, I'm not going to slide off cold toner, but definitely better than Trey Turner sat, sat in the uh, physio's locker. Um, Brian Belaga should come back healthy. Are you telling me that that Justin Herbert, who already succeeded behind a terrible O-line, can't succeed behind this new amazing O-line plus a second round pick? Eichenberg from Notre Dame. Um, you could go and trade up into the early second for Cosme maybe. Alex Leatherwood could drop. There are really good options at left tackle, and you could potentially rent someone. Go and give Villanueva some money and bring him in for a year, and Herbert will succeed. We didn't miss the playoffs last year because Justin Herbert needed an O-line. We missed the playoffs because special teams was trash, the coaching was awful, and our defense underperformed, partly through scheme, partly through injury. I think we've hired a defensive coach in Staley. 
So we know where his focus is going to be. And do not start to tell me that we have the players for an elite Staley defence currently on the roster. We don't have it. Where's the biggest weakness? There are weaknesses all over the defence that need some tweaking. We have some good players. We have some potential. But my God, we just let Casey Haywood go and we have not replaced him. Michael Davis is not a cornerback one. None of the players, like, are you telling me we're going to make the playoffs with Brandon Faison defending? You know, some of these wide receivers in the division? No, we're not. Cornerback is the need because otherwise we're going to get ripped to shreds. I knew that's where you and were going to go. You know it is. This is what I've been saying on Twitter. And do you know what? I was ripped to shreds for it, but there are people out there coming around onto this train. You look at the prospects. I love Patrick Sertain. He is my number one prospect. He isn't going to fall to 13. I think he's going to go early. Um, but then, I mean, Caleb Farley's injured, so I don't think he's going to be a Telesco pick, but he's going to be there, might be tempted. But, Jesus, JC Horn at 13, that's where I am today. That's the pick I'm, I'm saying to you now. He is a talented cornerback one that can immediately come and improve on Casey Hayward and make the biggest impact miles more than taking Christian Darasaur because the drop-off after him is vast. Whereas the drop-off from a Darasaw, a Vera Tucker, or a Rashawn uh, Slater to the next level, which is your Cosmes, your Leatherworth, your Eichenberg, is, is, and Redunds, is not that much of a drop-off. You can get almost the same level in the second round at tackle, but you can't get that elite cornerback. I want you to rip me to shreds if you disagree with me. That is my... I'm declaring it to the world. That is what I think. John Ayres, tell me why I'm right. I, uh, well, I do think you're right. I think that there's definitely a train to get on uh, for for picking CB uh, in the first round. That train is called the Saint Michel de Morin, which uh, caused it was a which was a train that caused the death of 700 people and remains the greatest rail disaster in French history. So if you want to get on that train, by all means, get on that disaster of a train. <laughs> for me, brutal. for me, uh, I keep thinking about. A quote from a movie that my wife loves and that is the first check you pay is the mortgage the second check you pay is for the insurance the insurance is the blind side okay your blind side tackles the most important position on the offensive line the most important that's great that we've that we have solid players at the other positions okay congratulations you've got four good starters along the offensive line. The most important position and the position that can get you in the most trouble and that could cause and that can be the result of the most injuries to quarterbacks is your blindside tackle. And I'm telling you right now playing the well let's see who drops to the top of the second or to our pick at 47 game is not going to go well. There are going to be a ton of offensive tackles taken in the first round. You know why? Because there are a ton of teams that need offensive tackles because it is a hard position to play. And when you don't have one, you need one. It's much like the quarterback position. You don't got one, you need one, and you draft one. And I want to give a quick shout out uh, to a to a person on Twitter, Tristan, uh, at T-T-H-U-R-L-O-W underscore at T-T-H-U-R-L-O underscore. I'm sorry, I'm butchering that. But uh, he did a little project of his own where he compiled grades for um, offensive tackles taken uh, in the draft over the last, I think it was 10 or 12 years. And it showed, uh, on average, a five-point uh, five average better grade of taking a first round tackle than in any other round 
What does that tell you? You're much better off taking that tackle in round one than you are in any other round. Yes, you can find a great offensive tackle in any round. That is true for any position. But what that research has told me is that you are more likely to find the player that you want protecting the blind side of Herbert for his illustrious career that will be coming in the first round. Now, he has not done a full research project on corners, but he did go back through the last three years of grades, of quarters taken. And let me tell you right now, first round corners, average graded out 57.5. Round two, 58.8. Round three, 60.6. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> round four, 52.8. And then round five, 62. That's over the last three years. What does that tell us? The guys we think have the skills and 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 the intangibles and blah, blah, blah that we think are for sure going to be great corners in this league that we're taking in round one are, are less likely to be as good as corners taken in rounds two, three, and five. That is a very telling stat. What that tells me is you don't need to prioritize corner in the first round. Everyone was falling all over themselves for Jeffrey Okuda being included last year. We're like, hey, you know, if Okuda's there, I mean, do we really consider not taking Okuda and, and maybe punting on, on quarterback? Again, I was not in that camp, but I'm going to say Okuda was super tempting if that were a scenario. Uh, Akuda did not grade really well. I think his his grade at the end of the season was somewhere in the 50s or, or, or 40s, actually. Uh, and if you go back and look at all of the first-round corners that were taken last year, I think only one of them was rated in the high 50s by the end of the season. What that tells me is that we, as uh, we as fans and NFL uh, personnel, are really bad at evaluating corners uh, in the, for the next level. So for me... I don't think any of these corners are for sure going to be the next great piece to the defense. And if they are, it's not going to be for another two to three years. So what I would rather do is play the percentages, play the odds, make the smart choice, draft a blindside tackle, draft that left tackle, whether it's Slater or Darisaw, my two favorite true tackles. Yes, Vera Tucker is an elite talent. Like you said, I believe he's a guard, but he might be able to kick out at the NFL level to tackle. I don't know. I'll let the evaluators figure that out. That's not my job. But give me a franchise left tackle at pick 13, and that's all I want to see. So, I mean, <clears throat> there you go. There's, there's, uh, there's some facts for you. I'm going to summarise what John just said in about two minutes. There's a reason, <laughs> Bez, why you're wrong, okay? Not wrong. So, Corey Lindsley, Matt Feeler, Ode Ibushi, and a rookie left tackle, okay? What has one got advantage of over the other three? Age and time. We need a franchise player that can make blinds, you know, protect the blind side. Not for one, two, or three years, but for for a decade. Because we, we've got an absolute superstar in Justin Herbert. This is the time now to invest. Because if the Chargers improve and they start making the playoffs as we want them to, it, there's, it's plausible that we're not going to get these um, top 10 draft picks anymore. So we're in that position at the minute where we can get a good offensive lineman to play left tackle in the top 15. Let's go and do it. Let's fall away. Round four. Get as a the best quarterback, uh, sorry, best cornerback that's left on the board and move on from there. Because I, you know, I, <laughs> in my opinion, we've got more chance of signing a wide out in the first round than we have as a cornerback. 
So I think whether it's Rashawn Slater, whether it's uh, uh, whoever, we've got to go and get that top man at, at pick 13 for the left tackle spot. We've had too many injuries and over the last couple of years of the offensive line, and I think at least one of those three players that's come in is, is going to be there. Well, with the exception of Corey Lindsley, he's going to play centre, but the other two, I think one of them is going to end up being cover for injuries, um, COVID, uh, and just basically make sure we've got a bit of depth on the offensive line. There's one thing you're both forgetting, which I believe is my killer point in this argument. You ready for this, guys? Go on. And, and you listen carefully, listener. You ready? We don't need a left tackle. We already have one. Trey Pipkins. Oh. Franchise left oh. tackle. Please stop. I don't I don't Can even know if he's a right franchise now? swing tackle. Come on. Just let's just stop. Let's just <laughs> I take that one back. Um, guys, it's been a pleasure. We'll be back in two weeks' time to analyse the secondary players. I think that's going to be one of my most favourite uh, episodes for you. We're going to make our official predictions uh, ahead of the draft and hopefully analyse some more signings if Telesco makes them. Um, guys, where can you be found on the socials? At Endzone85. As always, you can find me at Airs. Hashtag Audible Chocolate. Hashtag OT at 13. <laughs> you can find the podcast at Charged Up Pod. You can find me at Bez the Spaniard. Don't forget to go and follow and get involved with at NFL UK Mock. Um, great, great draft happening there. And one last thing to say. Hashtag Horn at 13. <laughs> Oh dear.